1: about at an Episode 706 of First Class Fatherhood. I'm happy as always to be here with you guys. And I have got just an incredible guest to bring you guys today. Andrew McCarthy joins me on the podcast. Andrew McCarthy, of course, is an iconic actor, a member of Hollywood's Brat Pack of the 1980s. He starred in so many cult classic films, such as Pretty in Pink, St. Elmo's Fire, Weekend at Bernie's, Mannequin, uh, and so many others. So Weekend at Bernie's is a movie we watch traditionally in this family uh, every summer to kind of kick off the summer. It's really a, just an entertaining movie. The kids love it. We love to sit down and watch it. Kind of gets us in the mood uh, to start the summer. Mannequin has a special place in our family as well here. My wife and I use that music, that song from the movie from Starship. Nothing's going to stop us now is kind of our wedding song or our song. Uh, so a lot of uh, relation here to Andrew McCarthy. So I'm honored to have him on the podcast. He had a memoir come out back in 2021 called Brat, an 80s story. And I was trying to get him on the podcast to talk about the memoir there. Couldn't make it happen but he's got a brand new book out today called Walking with Sam, a father, a son, and 500 miles across Spain. Uh, This is a father-son book. It's perfect for you guys to get just in time for Father's Day. Uh, They sent me a copy of it. I loved it. Uh, It's basically Andrew McCarthy who took this trek across Spain many years ago and kind of was a really kind of religious awakening experience for him or just a, a really big impact on his life. And he wanted to kind of recreate that with his son, who's now coming of age. Uh, So he takes the journey with his son. He tells the story in the book. It's beautifully written. Uh, If you guys are a fan of Andrew McCarthy, those 1980s films, you're going to love the book. So I highly recommend it. And again, it's a big honor to have him on the podcast today. So Andrew McCarthy is going to be here with me in just a few minutes. So please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Andrew McCarthy was recorded on video. You can catch it on my Rumble channel or on YouTube. So if you want to watch today's interview with Andrew McCarthy and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood or follow me on Rumble. Both links are in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, you guys know I've had a lot of other Hollywood actors on the podcast here, including Academy Award winner Matthew McConaughey, Danny Trejo, Dean Cain, Josh Peck, so many others. So if you go through the archives of the show, you can check out all of the actors that have stopped by the podcast. And if you're interested in going to see maybe a Broadway show this summer, take your family or you want to catch the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs that are heating up right now, Major League Baseball is going strong. Bring your kids out to a ball game this summer. Buy your tickets on SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app. Plug in the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, and save $20 on your tickets. All right. And as always, please help me spread the word about this podcast, every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list and let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it. Father's Day is every day right here on the podcast. And here comes my interview straight up with Andrew McCarthy on First Class Fatherhood. Uh, Joining me now, First Class Father, Andrew McCarthy. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks. Good to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you here. Let's start like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they?
0: I have uh, three. Feels like 30. Uh, <laughs> they're 21, 16 and nine. Boy, girl, boy.
1: Wow. Very cool. Yeah, we, we have uh, four. We had three boys, then got the girl on our fourth try. So
0: uh, I'm not trying old... anymore. That's it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, listen, obviously you've had a, you, you've had a, a crazy, inspiring uh, journey. You're a Hollywood superstar. We've seen you in the pretty in pink and the uh, Samuels fired a whole nine yards. You know about the Hollywood story. But uh, if you could take me back to the beginning, take me back 21 years ago. I know in your book, you said uh, adulthood began when fatherhood started. So take me back there. How old were you and how did becoming a father change your perspective
0: on life? I was 39. I think when my first son was born, I was old. Um, and I always say, thank God I was emotionally, I'm glad I was older physically. It's a young person's game. Right. But, uh, it changed my life. I suppose the example I could use is I was doing a show, uh, Right after my son was, when my first son was born. My son Sam was born, and I was guest, being a guest star on a on a guest actor on a TV show, and the lead actor started pushing me around and kind of bullying me and telling me what to do. And I I remember thinking very clearly, I'm a father now. I can't take this crap. <laughs> and, I thought, and I said, am I going to just sit here and be quiet, or am I just going to? And I said, uh, dude, you, you can't tell me what to do. We'll figure it out together, but you, you, you can't tell me what to do. Anyway, it escalated and we got into a big fight and, and I was fired from that job. And it was the only job I've been fired from so far. And I was, I'm so proud of it <laughs> to this day. Um, I think fatherhood made me just sort of realize that, you know, you can't take the easy way out all the time. You know, what's softer, easier way, you know.
1: Yeah, very well said, Andrew. And obviously uh, you have the book out, uh, Walking with Sam, uh, a father, a son and 500 miles across Spain. Uh, Majority of my listeners here on this show obviously are dads. So what was the um, what was the genesis of the book here? What can they expect when they pick it up?
0: Well, you know, my son was 19 at the time and. You know, I'd say the biggest regret in my life was I left home at 17 and never really looked back. And I had no, basically no relationship with my father throughout my adult life uh, until when he was close to death when we sort of reconciled. But, and it's one of the, you know, the biggest regret of my life. And I didn't want that with my son. And as he was starting to blossom and go out into the world at 19, I, you know, I didn't want that to happen. I, I you know, I've, I've always said that if my adult children want to have a relationship with me throughout their lives in a real and intimate way, then my life will have been a great success, you know? And I believe that. And so I just, you know, my son had just, um, I walked the Camino 25 years ago, which is this ancient pilgrimage route across Spain for 500 miles. And it really had a profound effect, changed my life. And I thought, with my son i wanted to try and start altering that relationship from one of dominant parent to child to more equal adults having an intimate relationship and i thought this might be an amazing way to do it And he surprised me by saying yes that he'd go
1: it's an amazing way to connect. I know, like I said, my oldest is just about to turn 17. And uh, so I have two teenagers uh, right now, 16, 15, and then my other ones are are, are 12 and eight. But uh, starting to turn that corner where it's becoming that relationship where they're having their own lives, taking on their own uh, journeys and paths and taking on more of that guiding role rather than that authoritarian role as a father uh, is a difficult balance. And I'm just learning it right now myself. But I know that, uh, did you did you kind of like As Did you have a book in mind when you did this journey? <laughs> Uh, Did you journal along the way or did you make video chronicles? How did that work? Did you just, after this was done, you put it all together?
0: Well, in my other life, um, I'm a travel writer and I had notions of, uh, I figured I'd write a travel article about it anyway, for um, a magazine anyway. And then, uh, but on this walk, it's about 500 miles and you're going to Santiago de Compostela, which is the city in the farther and western part of Spain. And just beyond that, another 50 miles is the ocean and the pilgrimage sort of ends at Santiago, but if you want, you can walk another couple of days to the sea, which many, many people do. I had no desire to do that. I was going to finish in Santiago, and, but my son, this place at the sea is called Finisterre, the finish of the earth, and so when he decided he was going to walk beyond me and walk to the sea on his own, you know, what do we want as parents and fathers is that our children go beyond us you know we got this foreign life let's get them to go to college let's get them to be doctors or whatever they have them go beyond and to have my son literally go beyond where I was walking as we walked this way together and then to see him off as he went on his journey to the sea was something sort of the metaphor of that was just so obvious and not lost on me that I thought oh there's a book there you know and um so you know, and Sam joked to people as we were meeting along the way because yeah, my dad's walking across most of Spain. I'm walking across all of Spain, you know. And so once he was doing that, I realized I, there's a book here.
1: <laughs> yeah, he had a one up you there at least. And then
0: well, well there's what, that there's that way to look at it. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what uh, was there any point in this journey to 500 miles where your son was like, hey, I'm taking an Uber, I'm getting out. He was there any point where it looked like <laughs> it, it's
0: over here, or did it come to that? Um, well, day two, we were walking over the Pyrenees Mountains into, uh, from France to Spain, and uh, my son did say, "Dad, what's the point of this effing walk?" And you know, he didn't say effing, you know, and and he said, "Is there an airport in Pamplona?" And so I, I kind of got the gist of what he was what he was thinking. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, a month later, and we arrived in Santiago, and he said, "Dad, that's the only ten out of ten thing I've ever done in my life." So, you know, the journey happens for him.
1: Wow, very cool. And I know you have the daughter in the middle there. Uh, what is it like for you being a girl dad? And uh, do you have any kind of plans in the future to do something? That is, your, is your daughter, well, hey, when, when's my right of passage coming? Do you have any kind of uh, plans or something like that with her? Or what do you enjoy about being a girl dad?
0: <laughs> well, she's like, why don't we just go to Paris, dad? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> or Tahiti. Um, well, my daughter is very much like uh, her mother. So it's so interesting to watch them and their dynamic and, you know, they'll have their, you know, she's a mini me to some degree uh, of my wife and to watch them fight like they'll fight sometimes. I'm like, oh, my God. And, you know, five minutes later, they're laughing, they're crying and they're screaming and clawing. And five minutes later, they're hugging and laughing. And I'm over in the corner like a wreck. Like, oh, my God. I don't- <laughs> 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 and So I've learned to kind of walk away from that when it's happening. And my wife because where are you going? And I'm like, I- I- this. I'm not getting in the middle of this. Um, So, but, you know, my daughter is actually the most savvy one in uh, in the family. And I'll often go to go, Willow, what do you think? And she has great insight. So it's so interesting. And I grew up with three brothers. I didn't have any, I didn't grow up around girls at all. So to have a daughter is such a a change for me. I really have to pay attention to what's actually happening, you know, as opposed to what I think is happening or what guys do or something, you know, so I learned quite a lot from her.
1: Yeah, so cool. Yeah. Like I said, we had the three boys and that's all we knew. And then we had the girl on the last try. So, I mean, one of the things I'm still doing, she's eight years old now, is trying to get better with my discipline with her. I've got it down pretty good with my sons, uh, but disciplining her is a whole different ballgame. My wife takes on a much bigger role than that, than I should be doing. Uh, but what, what kind of disciplinary disciplinarian are you overall as a father? And is that different than the discipline style you grew up with?
0: There's no discipline here. <laughs> there's no, there's no, there's no rules. It's just free for all here. Um, you know, we are extraordinarily loose with our children in uh in that way. You know, I, I kind of just, just. I'll only stop you if you're being disrespectful or if it's dangerous. That's you know, are my two. Those are my only two. I'm like, if you're being disrespectful or if it's, or, you know, if you're gonna kill yourself by on that wall, I'm gonna tell you to get down. Otherwise, go for it. Um, And that was not the world I grew up in. I was terrified of my father growing up, terrified of him. Uh, And he was a very volatile guy. And so, uh, you know, that's not the dynamic that we have in our household at all.
1: Well, one thing I'm curious too, Andrew, is because I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict myself. And I know that uh, sobriety was something big in your life. It was important for you to get sober. And one thing that I'm worried about with my kids, as I said, my two teenagers specifically right now, is that whole scene, the alcohol, the drugs that seems to be surrounding them at every corner. And I fear that for them, uh, just knowing, I mean, it really destroyed so much of my own family and so much of my own life, uh, if I'm being perfectly honest. And I just worry about that, but I'm not too sure uh, all I can do is show them the example of living by not drinking, by not partaking in the drugs. And hopefully that that example is enough uh, to give them what to live by. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing it the right way. What is how did you kind of talk to your kids about drugs, alcohol and get down to it?
0: Drugs, and alcohol almost destroyed my life, you know, and I, I stopped at that, you know, 30 years ago now. So they've never seen me uh, drunk or high and thank God, uh, thank, but I'm just honest with them. I just tell them there's no, you know, and my kids are just like, oh, yeah. And some of my best, you know, here's a little phrase for you. And they're I like, go, oh, did you learn that in the secret society? And I'm like, you know, and so I just am truthful about it. And, but as we know, you know, information alone and knowledge alone will keep no one from drugs and alcohol. I mean, it is a slippery slope that every teen and young person has to navigate for themselves. Um, and also I'm like, it's your life, you know, and I'll tell you what it did to mine. And I'll tell you what the, you know, it may feel titillating and exciting and this and that, but it's, that is, a, you know, a slippery slope and it, it leads everyone to that spot. <laughs> so you're not different as much as everyone thinks they're different. It, it goes there. If you stay on the train long enough, it's going there. And that's going to be your challenge and your, you know, journey to take. And yeah. It is scary as hell. Absolutely. It's scary as hell. I just want those lines of communication open. I mean, it's all the cliches, but it's true, you know, but it is, there's nothing, you can't lock them up as much as we want to, you know. Yeah. I, I tell my daughter, she's not getting married or dating until she's 30. And I'm, you know, I'm not joking, but of course I am, you know. <laughs> And, yeah, you know, and she has her first boyfriend now at 16 and it's just like, wow, okay. Right. Bring him over. Let's go out to dinner with him. Let's check this kid out. And my wife's like, you behave. <laughs> you know? And he's a lovely kid, you know. Yeah. That's about with my, my wife and I, sorry to interrupt you. I'll just finish with this. My wife and I said, well, what did you think of, you know, the young guy? I said, look, Willow was herself with him. And that's all, you know, Willow was herself. She wasn't any kind of other thing. She was who she is. And that's great.
1: Yeah, that, that was going to say, that's another one of those things. My daughter being eight, it's, uh, I have that so far out of my mind right now. But I know in a short period of time, I'm going to be right where you are, where she's having that first date. and I got to prepare myself. You know, uh, I got to callous my mind for those events to come. But I, I think, like you said, the most important thing would be the communication. It's really all I could ask for. Uh, at least to get that kind of honesty from them would be so huge. Has, has he did, did uh, Sam, your uh, your oldest son, did he read your uh, autobiography? Did he read Brat when it came out? Has he read
0: that? He Sam's not a big reader, but he did listen to the audiobook, you know, he listened to it twice actually, he told me. And he loved it, he said, I learned a real lot about you, Dad. You know, and he said to his sister, he said, Willa, if you want to learn about dad when he was young, you should read his book or listen to his book. You know, and my kids have never watched my movies or any of that stuff. And so I'm glad of that in a in certain way. I mean they can, who cares? But uh, you know, I'm just their dad, and as it should be, not some guy, you know, in the movie, so or on TV. So you know, I, I'm glad that it's treated as if that's what I do. And, you know, I wrote a book and then you wrote another book and, you know, they're not interested in them particularly.
1: <laughs> well, they are interested in the acting. I know at least your son, your daughter, they, they, they have followed in your footsteps, uh, into the acting. What was your, what was your kind of take on that? Were you uh, pushing them behind that saying, Hey, get into this, or is this something they came to on their own? And how do you feel about them getting involved in the acting life?
0: Well, you know, uh, the last thing I ever wanted was my children to be in show business. So, you know, God just laughs at us. Right. So I, I was, and me and my son is on this Netflix show called dead to me. And my daughter has been on Broadway three times now, you know, so uh, it's, but, you know, I didn't want them to, it's a simple answer, but, you know, when I was 15 acting saved my life, you know, I walked out on stage in the high school musical it's the artful Dodger and Oliver. And my life was different. I just, you know, I had that moment of, clarity I was just like oh my god there I am that's what I'm gonna do and I knew it was an important thing because I told no one you know it was my secret and I was keeping it was like a little flame and anybody could have walked by particularly like my dad was very volatile like I said and he just blow that flame out in a second so I just kept that little That that was mine and I was gonna do that and there was nobody gonna tell me anything different you know from that moment on so I'm glad I didn't bring it up because if I, you know, they'd said no or whatever, I just would have been created more friction, you know? Um, so, you know, I can save my life. So who might I to say it wouldn't there? if You know, a teenager, particularly a boy, uh, needs to find something, you know, whether and usually it's sports or a musical instrument or something. Um, and I found acting at 15 and, you know, otherwise you get into all sorts of trouble when you're a teenager, if you don't find that thing, a passion, you know? So, you know they started to gravitate toward that and god bless them you know i you know there's no mystery or mystique about in our family it's the family business you know so and i'm always just talking about the work and this and that not any kind of the glamour there's not there is no glamour really except these events that they try and report it to be glamorous which are just nerve-wracking um but so you know who am i to say so if they want to do it god bless them you know
1: Yeah, well said, Andrew. And again, walking with Sam, a father, a son in 500 miles across Spain. I love the fact that this is a father son book. Uh, This whole show is dedicated. One thing I talk about on this show a lot, Andrew, is the fatherless crisis that we have going on in our country with so many kids who don't have a father or a father figure in their life. And it's really leading to so much devastation in our country right now. And I know you said, you know, you had a volatile relationship with your father. Did you find uh, any other, was there any other father that came into your life? I know you said you left home at 17. Was there anybody else that kind of took on a role of that father figure during your life to, you know, in a positive way?
0: Um, yeah, you know, there were two people that I, I call them mentors, you know, but I suppose they were father type figures for me. And really, you know, I r- really needed that. And I didn't know I needed it until I really blossomed under their kind of eye. And, you know, that made me really wish I had that with my dad more you know? Um, and I, I found that a lot, many of my friends, particularly when I was younger would be older men and often physically larger than me. I would sort of uh, gravitate toward father figure friends, you know? Um, and my, my wife is the one who actually pointed that out to me for the first time. Cause have you ever noticed that all your friends are a little bit older and larger than you? I'm Like, huh? <laughs> you know, and it's, it's true. But yeah, I, I found a couple um uh, mentors that really changed my, uh, just made me feel safe in the world and made me feel seen and backed up and i never felt like i had any any backup uh and i you know that that would be the one thing i would i'd like to think of myself as a, a literally backstop for my kids i'm back here like and i'm right here you go out into the world turn around i'll be right here you go on you know what i mean if that that would be the dynamic i'd want with my older you know the kids as they get older is to, then for them to just sort of look behind and go are you there you know, and like the little kids on the playground, they do the same thing. They go running off. They look to make sure you're still there. And then they go climb the jungle gym and they do the same thing except in bigger playgrounds in life. You know? and,
1: and, you know, and that kind of steals the thunder on this. I wanted to ask you this, Andrew. Obviously, you've had, you know, a legendary career, Hollywood career uh, in Hollywood and your legacy is secure in Hollywood. But what kind of legacy do you want to have as a father?
0: Oh, really, just that, that I was that I was there, <laughs> that I'm there and you, you will be received and I see you. you know, very, very hard exactly. to really see people. You know, we we know we want to see them, we want to see, you know, but it's hard to like, who are you, you know? And to that, we have to listen to them. You know, like my son, one of the great things about walking was you can't, he's never going to sit down and have a chat. You try to sit across the table and have a talk. It's just not, you're not getting anything, but you get him moving, get him physical and sooner or later it all comes out, you know, and then you can really see who he actually is as opposed to who, I perceive and who I want him to be and who family lore has dictated he is. And his position in the family makes him this one. And you know what I mean? So to see who they really are is, you know, and for them to allow themselves, allow us to see them, you have a relationship in my mind. If he's allowing me to see him, that's a great gift he's giving me. So just to receive that, you know, and not judge that is like, who, who am I to think I know best? I mean, really, (laughs) Yeah, r- really
1: good stuff, Andrew. And uh, again, a walking with Sam, a father, a son in 500 miles across Spain. Link to the book is in the description of today's podcast episode. Last thing I want to hit you with, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that brand new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening?
0: When I was, when my, <laughs> this I have an answer for, I rarely do. Um, when my wife was first pregnant with, was pregnant with our first son. A friend of mine's father was from the South and he saw the fear in my eyes and he's just a real small town guy. And I always kind of dismissed him as a hick. And he said, he put his arm around me and said, Andy, you just love them and keep them dry. <laughs> and at that moment I realized he's no hick. He's the wisest guy I know. And I think that I, me and my wife still say that to this day, you just love them and keep them dry. And there's a lot of truth in that.
1: Yeah. I I love that message, man. Andrew McCarthy has been an honor for me. I got to say you're a first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here. First class fatherhood.
0: Yeah, thanks. I've enjoyed it.
1: You have been listening to first class fatherhood. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com to find out more details. You can order first class fatherhood advice and wisdom from high profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22, six tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.